This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Look to the folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans when you need someone who understands the X's and O's of health care coverage. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Mike Keith with Amy Wells. It is good to see you again, Amy. Hello, Mike Keith. I like being in person. This is great. But distant. Yes, we are distant, which yes. is also nice. But not but- emotionally distant. Just socially distant. Well, right? we'll see. We'll see how this goes. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> Someone who is never emotionally or socially distant <laughs> is the very friendly and loving Rhett Bryan from Titans Radio, <laughs> who is our special guest on this edition of the official Titans podcast. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. That's quite the introduction. It that truly is. He's the man you want to hug. <laughs> when you see him, just walk up and hug him after the pandemic is over. All right. So as we delve into what has happened i would have to say more has gone on since the end of last week than i thought red i thought it was just going to die and nothing would happen with the titans and that's not been the case john robinson continuing to sort of plow through things he is and and you know after the the splash signings of bud dupree and a Danico autry to to shore up some things on the defense you thought, well, let's just see how this goes, and it's kind of like it's almost like the, the the backside of that first wave is where he continued to churn and make moves, and then I anticipate he'll make more, you know, as we go into wave two and wave three of this thing. It became official. Kevin Johnson comes to the Titans from the Browns. He's also been with the Bills, and before that, he played with the Texans and was a first round pick, veteran corner who has played against the Titans in every season of his NFL career, Amy. Well, you know, talk about familiarity. That's what you want to hear. But it's someone who can bring some veteran experience to that group that right now has a lot of young guys. So being in to bring in someone to uh, kind of be one of the leaders in that space, really helpful for the Titans. A lot of speculation he is being brought in to compete as the nickelback, Rhett. Your thoughts on Kevin Johnson that way? I think that would be an interesting battle because if we think about it, I mean, you're going to have to shift uh, Amani Hooker to the other safety spot, and he would have been probably the favorite for that job. So right now, before the NFL draft, he may be the guy that's in the driver's seat of that thing and, and maybe see a, a, a battle in camp over that kind of thing. So Adoree Jackson is now with the New York Giants. Malcolm Butler is not a Titan anymore. Kenny Vaccaro is not a Titan anymore. The only remaining Titans starter in the secondary is Kevin Byard from what was the highest paid secondary in the National Football League a year ago. 75% is gone. Janoris Jenkins has to factor in in some role, and he's a guy that signed late last week, and as people sort of look back at his 2020, he played really well for the Saints. He absolutely did, and... He is another guy who will be stepping into that leadership role, and I had a chance to talk to him about it, and he said he's ready to take on a position like that. Norris Jenkins, welcome to the Tennessee Titans. We've got to start off with the basic question. Why were the Titans such a good fit for you? I feel like I was a missing piece. Um, They got the run game. um, They got a front. um, They got a great coaching. So I just feel like if I can come here, uh, I can help out a lot. 
Now you're stepping into a room where you are immediately going to be the seasoned veteran. You are the longest tenure guy. Do you like being in that position? Do you like that role as a leader? Oh uh, yeah, I love it. Um, I've been a leader all my life uh, growing up. Um, and I just feel like it's, it's just something that built on me. And um, I'm just ready to play football. Now you're known for not just your interceptions, but your pick sixes. I was looking at some of your numbers. You have 26 career interceptions. Eight of those, eight of those were for touchdowns. That right. is hard to do. It's hard to get an interception. It's even harder to run it all the way back to the end zone. What is your secret? It really ain't no secret. It's just when you get your hands on the ball, just make a play. Where I'm from, we always stride on making making plays, uh, making the biggest play of the game, and that's what I try to do. How much of that do you attribute to film study, though, being able to anticipate what your opponent's going to do? You just learn formations and uh, different setups and once you recognize what's coming, you just go shoot for the stars. Now you're entering your 10th season in the NFL. What's different about Janoris Jenkins in 2021? Man, I just, I don't played a lot of ball. So it's like, you know, I, I ain't got to worry about too much making a play. Just understanding the game, um, what can hurt you and what can not hurt you. And just continue to go ball. Finally, I have to ask you about your nickname because your nickname is Jack Rabbit. It says rabbit around your neck. Right. Where does that nickname come from? My freshman year in college, um, I went to the University of Florida and uh, they just threw me out there because I went to college in spring, but I didn't know no plays, but I was making a lot of plays. After the first, no, like the second meeting, my coach just started calling me Jack Rabbit and I just ran with it. And it stuck around all this time. Well, Janoris Jenkins, yep. Jack Rabbit, we are so happy to have you as part of the Tennessee Titans. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. So the big jump of the week that sort of got everything started was not Janoris Jenkins. It was actually Josh Reynolds who signs with the Titans coming over from the Rams after four years with them. Did that one surprise you, Rhett Bryan? A little bit. But when you look at the Rams roster, you understand why they made the move they did in, in letting him escape in free agency because – we know very well last year in the second round of the draft, Van Jefferson, who played high school ball right here in Middle Tennessee, whose dad was a one-time receivers coach of the Titans, Sean Jefferson, one of the better route runners in last year's draft, who started to come on for them late in the year and even made lots of plays in the playoff game for them. So you can see how he was made somewhat expendable in that nature. And then with the departure of Corey Davis, and I'm not saying he's replacing Corey Davis, but you needed a tall, uh, gifted receiver. He's 6'3", 198. He has a, a good catch radius. He has good hands for catching the ball at the high point and, and bringing it down uh, and, and has shown propensity to do that in a deep threat you know, uh, uh, mode in this thing. I like the signing. I didn't see it coming. I, I figured maybe they'd take a receiver from somewhere in free agency because you lost Corey Davis and you may look to a draft pick for that. I like the move. You had to get a veteran, though, right? And, I, I mean, this guy, and Rhett touched on it, he looks like the guy physically and sort of maturity-wise and the fact that he'll block. He's an excellent blocking receiver, which factors in, even though he caught 52 passes for over 600 yards last year, he's kind of 
Corey Davis-esque. Right. And so you've got to like the body type. You've like got to like the abilities that Rhett alluded to. But you also have to like that he's an older guy. He has some experience because there's a lot of room for younger guys. There's a lot of room in the draft, in free agency, whether it be undrafted free agents or another couple guys who are floating around later in this offseason period, that you can bring in other wide receivers. You see a lot of receivers coming through camp. They need a lot of people to cycle through and kind of see what their skill sets are. This is a guy who can fill that Corey Davis role in a lot of different ways. So I think it's a great move by John Robinson. San Antonio native who played at Texas A&M, fourth-round pick of the Rams in 2017. Had a chance to visit with Josh Reynolds. Josh, I've got to ask you, why were the Titans such a good fit for you? I just think they they, they lost a lot of uh, key pieces on offense. And, uh, you know, with, with Corey Davis, Humphreys, um, you know, and, and I just thought I'd you know, be a great fit to actually just come in and, and, and bring my style of play to the Titans. Year four in the NFL was easily your best year as a professional. Why did you elevate your game in 2020? I think it was uh it was it was targets. You know, I actually got uh, my career my career targets and receptions this year. So um, I think that was a big reason was was the uh, amount of opportunity I was able to get. How would you describe yourself in terms of your style as a receiver and what you'll add to the offense? Big body, long guy. You know, I can I can go up and get the ball 50-50 balls. My thing in college was 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 stretching the field, you know, you know, I w- I'm not a, I'm not a real burner, but you know, when that ball's in the air, I'm, 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 I'm getting it. I think that's what, you know, what Corey had in him and what AJ's got in him. And so, you know, I think, I think we're a great fit for each other. Now we know you're fast. We know you've got good hands, but what we've been hearing a lot about is you as a blocker. When did you know that that was something that you really needed to put an emphasis on for your game specifically? Probably my second year with Rams, when, when Cooper Cup had went down, Robert Woods ended up taking over his spot at F, um, the, you know, tradition. And I took over Rob, Robert Woods' position at Z. And so a lot of it was, was motioning down, uh, duo blocking, you know, point of attack blocking. So I think, think that year, it, it really put in, in the perspective of, you know, how much how much receivers, you know, get asked to block. I knew receivers blocked and stuff, but I didn't realize, you know, we were, we were going to be blocking DNs and and the uh, <laughs> point of attack trying to trying to go in the hole and like a fullback. So, I, you know, I think I think it was a, a good experience. Now, you mentioned some of the players who are no longer with the Titans, but someone who is still a Titan is A.J. Brown. How does your skill set complement his? I mean, we're definitely two two big receivers, you know. AJ's a playmaker, and and uh, you know he's definitely gonna end up probably drawing most of the double teams and stuff. So to be able to win one on ones, and that's you know that's that's what I do, and that's what I've that's what I've kind of been doing. So I think we'll complement each other each other well. Josh has an SEC connection with AJ Brown, but you've got a Texas A and M connection with Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. Got some Aggies back together, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of Aggies fans happy, man. Yeah, a, lot of them, a lot of them happy on social media. You know, one of the great stories about you from Texas A&M that, that I thought really tells about your toughness, 
You leave junior college, you go to Texas A&M, you need a surgery. I think it was a shoulder, right? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was actually my labrum. Okay, so he needs the surgery in 2014. He's going to miss the year, and he says, forget it. I'm playing the year. We'll have the surgery after the season. And you really blew away your teammates because not only did you play, but you still blocked and you still got after it. You still gave it everything you had. Do you feel like you proved yourself to your teammates in that way? And also, did you prove something to yourself that year? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. You know, they, they like you said, they did see how, you know, how, how tough of a guy I was, you know, how, how much I wanted to win, you know, make plays for the team and, you know, not be held back by, you know, by a little injury. I was like, unless my shoulder was completely ripped off, you know, I, I was I was going to be out there on that field, you know, and there wasn't going to be nothing to stop me. So there wasn't much that, that I proved to myself because I knew how tough of a guy I was and stuff. I just I just needed my teammates and my coaches to know, you know, how much I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to win for these guys and and, and what I'm putting into it. Now, we talked about your time in junior college. We talked about your time at Texas A&M. We talked about your time with the Rams. What we haven't talked about is that none of this happened almost. Your mom didn't even want you to play football. Tell me that story. She's a basketballer. She went to Old Dominion. Old Dominion when they actually was winning the uh, the, the, the championships and stuff. So, you know, she, she fully wanted me to to play basketball and, and and really I played all kind of other sports at the time she just didn't want to see her baby boy get hurt in football so you know <laughs> but you know her brother ended up actually ended up convincing her to let me and my brother uh, play he was flag I was a little bit too old for flag so that was that was already kind of uh, I don't know and so we ended up going out uh to the first day of practice she seen me go out there and and, and actually when we went out, they had me with the older kids and, um, you know, I was balling, you know, until until they're like, well, you know, you're with the wrong group. You know, you're supposed to be with the younger ones down there. I was like, and then so my mom kind of realized, you know, how much of an athlete I was, you know, how, how special I was in football. And, uh, you know, that was that was kind of the story right there. You know? All right. So let's wrap it up with this. The really important stuff. You're going to wear number 18, right? I am. I okay, am. now I got to know. So you were 11 at A&M. You started your Rams career as 83, which 8 and 3 make 11. Uh, ah, I like how I did that, right? That's good. And then last year you switched to 11. Of course, 11's taken here. Yeah. Which we all understand. So why 18? My girlfriend's birthday is on the 18th. Wow. Smart. That's a great answer. Smart. There we go. Look at you. <laughs> hey, Josh Reynolds, we are so glad you're a Titan. Titans fans are so excited that you're joining the ball club. And, you know, this team threw it pretty well last year. Going to try to throw it even better with you in 2021. We appreciate you joining us. No doubt. I appreciate y'all having me. So that's Josh Reynolds one of the newest Titans wide receivers and one of the newest free agent additions. There's got to be another receiver in this draft for the Titans, doesn't there, Rhett? Oh, absolutely. Maybe and multiple receivers? That's a, I think that's a possibility, Mike, because here's the thing. Currently, as we sit, they have four picks in the top 100. And with the departure of the aforementioned Corey Davis, I feel like one of those first 100 picks has got to be a wide receiver. 
And as to whether they take one in round one or not, depends on who falls down to you. I could see them going cornerback there or wide receiver there. But, yeah, this draft, while it's being compared to a lot of the depth and talent of last year's, I don't know if it reaches that, but there is a lot of great value from pick 35 to probably 100 in this thing who are a lot of great serviceable guys who can help you immediately, whether you want a slot receiver to help where Adam Humphreys is no longer, whether you want a big possession receiver, uh, an X receiver on the outside. There's all different shapes and kinds of guys from all different places who can help you, and some of them are absolute burners in 40 time. And you look at some of these guys with what they're doing, too, with the incredible vertical leap, with all of the different attributes. I mean, they come in all shapes and sizes. Yes. Play the slot, play outside, world-class speed, great route runners. Two years ago in Nashville, they said, greatest receiver crop ever last year in the draft. Greatest receiver yep. crop ever this year. Some are making the case, greatest receiver crop ever. I don't think this is ever going to stop, Amy, because when you look at high school ball and college ball, look at the number of receivers that are playing for every high school, they're generally playing five kids. And colleges, they're generally playing five or six kids. They're producing more of them because more of them play in these offenses. Absolutely. The offenses of high school and college are requiring that athleticism. They're requiring receivers who can run real fast, jump real high, do some of the crazier things because we're seeing quarterbacks passing all over the place in college. So with that evolution of how the game is playing at those lower levels, that's what you get. The other thing that I saw, too, so this was back in the 90s when I was covering high school football. And and I saw this in East Tennessee because the Mike Leach, how mummy sort of air raid thing came into being. And nobody really knew what it was. But it started kind of working its way in from Texas and from Valdosta and from all of these places And they brought it to a high school in East Tennessee. And when they brought it to this Anderson County High School, they convinced all these guys to come out for football who would not play football because they didn't want to get their heads beat in all summer. They didn't, you know, they didn't want to go through the Oklahoma drill over and over. They said, no, 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 we're not doing that anymore. Here's what we're going to do. We're, We're really not going to hit that much at practice. We're not going to wear pads all the time. You don't have to keep up with 800 plays. You're just going to run these concepts. And, hey, you're the best basketball player, and you're the best baseball player. You're on the – you know, you play the outfield, whatever. You're a really good soccer player. Come out for football, and, you know, let's let's sort of see what you got, and we're going to do this differently. And at Anderson County High School, they started doing it. Jack Daniels brought in a big part of it. He later coached at Brentwood. I think he was at Ravenwood. That's right. Great high school coach. He was the assistant. The quarterback at Anderson County High School was Jamie Chadbourne, who's now the head coach at Coastal Carolina and is is an up-and-coming thing. That was my first look at it, but we've seen this grow because this is how they've gotten kids out for football. Yep. Is when listen, back in the in the 80s, I mean, you're in pads every day and guys were dropping out of football left and right. They're like, I'm not doing that. 
I'm I'm not going out there and get my head beat in while somebody's at the pool stealing my girlfriend. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm totally serious. I mean, that was the mindset. So we're doing these torture two-a-days, and all these other guys are like, I'm out. Now all that stuff's illegal. You go to jail if you did things to kids that you did in the 80s. Well, probably so, but but coaches are smarter, you know, co- and, and they understand. And so the over the last 20 years, these offenses, and you've seen that people can win games with a passing game. You know, for years, you can't win games just throwing the ball. Well, now you can. And I, I just think we're going to continue to see receivers – produced in this way and think about how many receivers come in and help you right away now it's why there's so many of them it's why the edge rushers are harder to find in terms of guys who can help you as a rookie but man you can find receivers up and down the draft who help a team and to your point other byproducts of that it's why it's harder to find tight ends who are more inline blockers because they're big wide receivers but I just think about as you're describing seeing air raid offenses and those things though, all those years ago, I think about, you know, our friend Mike Dettelier, the, the one and only draft expert, expert expert for Titans Radio, the author of the M&D Draft Report, who says 7-on-7 seven seven changed the world. It did. He's right. Mm-hmm. He's 100% right. Because they're now allowed to do that all summer except for two weeks. Before, like back in the day, you could go to the weight room three days a week, but you could not do anything on the field. Nothing on the field. You could get some guys together and throw, but I mean, you only threw six times a game anyway. I mean, that was that was everybody ran the wishbone or ran out of an eye or ran the wing tee or you know something of a of a run formation. And now people are saying, okay, we don't. And, and what I saw out of Anderson County and Anderson County is where, where Oak Ridge and Clinton. Are, if you don't, if you're not familiar just with these outside things, of Knoxville, just yeah. outside of Knoxville, and Oak Ridge is one of the greatest powers in the history of this state, and Clinton's had some real good teams. Anderson County was a team that never competed, and they didn't have all the athletes. They didn't have the biggest guys to play in the line, and so suddenly, you know, if that ball's coming out fast, and you've got, and, and you can find guys to play receiver, you can find six foot, 180 pound guys or five, eight, 165 pound guys. It's harder to find six, six, two seventy in high school. Right. And so it's really changed the evolution of the game. The other thing too, is if I'm a really good baseball player and I'm playing summer ball, I can still go to seven on seven on the days I don't have baseball. Absolutely. So there you go. That's how it all starts and what it's evolved from. And what you're describing also, what I think about is the NFL of 50, 60 years ago. It's like when Eric Coriel mm-hmm. brought in that offense because everybody else was doing those other kinds of things, wishbone, wing, t- whatever you want, run first deal. And it changed the league for real. Forever. I mean, and then George Blanda comes well, in and he's throwing it around, you know. And in the late 70s when they changed the rules to where you could block with your hands. You could use your hands to block. You could not do that before. And so you were blocking with your forearms. And, you know, they, they used to have all the pictures of the guys with their arms together and their chests on their football cards. And that was how you blocked. Right. Well, I mean. Good defensive players could run around with some guy with his hands together up against his chest. Yeah, Deacon Jones made a living right. out of that. Right, do a head slap or whatever. Right. What changed that is suddenly, as long as you keep your hands inside, you can use your hands. And 
that that changed the ability to throw the football, and then all the rules have been changed to where, I mean, you know, you go across the middle, you get Jack tatum or, yep. you know, Defenses whatever. Receiver, right. I, I mean, you can't do it anymore. Right. Yeah. No tiptoeing. No tiptoeing. Yes. Well, the other thing you're always looking for is you're always looking for guys to rush the passer. And the Titans got Bud Dupree last week. They got Danico Autry last week. This week, Ola Adani, interesting, interesting player. I think he's probably been signed more for special teams Mm -hmm. because the the Titans need special teams help, and he was a really good special teams player for the Pittsburgh Steelers the last two years. 6'1", 248, three years out of Toledo. Brett Kern's alma mater. Yes. And, yeah, I I agree. I think he's a core special teams person with uh, an upside to help you as a rotational pass rusher. I do believe he can do that. Because most games last year, the Titans only kept three outside linebackers up. Right. Because the majority of their outside linebackers down the line were not good special teams players. Right. So being able to have that versatility and contribute on special teams, which is such a point of emphasis for this Titans team, having players who, if you're going to be up to play on Sundays, you have to be able to contribute in multiple areas for the most part. And so being able to fill that special team spot and also contribute on the field when your number's called, that's great. Ola Adani. Ola Adani. I think will be a favorite of Titans fans. For his personality and enthusiasm, he won me over in our first chat. Hola, Adani. I think I know the most interesting fact about you to start. There are players who will be in the 2021 draft who are actually older than you are. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) That is amazing. (laughs) <laughs> Let me kind of take the backstory, and you correct me where I'm wrong, okay? All right, let's do it. You moved to the United States from Nigeria when you're eight. So, At first, they want to put you in fifth grade, two grades ahead of where you should be. But your mother uh, says, no, we're going to put him in fourth grade. Nah, they, want, they wanted me to, me to put it in sixth grade, but my mom put me in fifth. So my brother started. Okay, so I was somewhat close. Yeah, somewhere close a year. So, all right. So, the bottom line is you graduated high school and you're 16 years old. Yeah. You're a soccer player, but eventually <laughs> you became a football player somewhere in there. When did you start playing football? When you were 13 or 14? Yeah, when I was about, yeah, 13. When I was 13, that's when I started playing uh, football. When I, because I, I, like I said, I got fat when I came into the States. So, like, at some point in time, it transitioned, and I just couldn't play soccer like that anymore. So coaches came and started recruiting me, calling on my mom, and eventually my, my uncle got out of cave in and finally got to go out there and get to play football. <laughs> you leave Houston, George Bush High School. When you're 16, sir. you go to Toledo. Yes, sir. Your red shirt. And then you play mm-hmm. three years for the Rockets. In 2017, you blow up. 20 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks. You decide uh, to go pro because you already have your degree at age 20. And what'd you get your uh, degree in? Double major in marketing and sales. Wow, that's impressive. And you do that because you want to help your mom out because she's always worked hard. 
And you've got a brother who did undergrad at Columbia and grad school at Yale? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's currently about to go to med school in a little bit. <laughs> so then you're not drafted. You sign with the Steelers. You're on your way to becoming their training camp standout in 2018. You're sacking quarterbacks left and right. You hurt a hamstring. Yes, sir. Sadly. All right. So they put you on IR. They bring you out in December. You play in one game. And then the last two years, you've played a ton of football. You've played 32 games. And you've excelled on special teams. And yet, you're still just 23 years old. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so here's my question. What's Feels question? like you're a stock that's still going up. Do I have it right? I would agree with that. I would have to agree with that. Who are you? Who is Ola Adani as a player that Titans fans need to know? What are you going to add? Man, where do I start? <laughs> Ola Adani is a guy that brings a lot of energy, um, brings a lot of energy on and off the field. You know, I'm a fun guy, but I'm also a guy that's ready to learn. Um, also a guy ready to get better, very aggressive guy, and, you know, a guy that's ready to contribute and add to the Titan Nation, man. It's time to tighten up. <laughs> there you go. All right. So let's talk about why you love special teams so much, because that's what you've been able to do mostly so far in your NFL career with the Steelers. What is it about playing teams that gets you going? Man, special teams, man, it changes the game. It changes the aspect of the game, you know, depending on whether the offense starts on field, whether the defense gets to start, um, you know, and you can contribute, you know, you can turnovers, um, you can cut touchdowns, you know. You can do everything on special teams. So, you know, why not, you know, bring the same energy to it that I can do to defense. And you're an aggressive dude. When you found football, you found hitting people was really a lot of fun, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> had to, had to. They tried me a tight end, but I ain't like that. Tried me an O-line. No, sir. <laughs> so I love it. Talk to me about your skills at outside linebacker because you're you're kind of the unpolished gem. You're you're sort of typical of what the Steelers have done over the years. They found all these guys who are six feet, six one, six two, two hundred fifty pounds power players, maybe not built like the typical outside backers, but guys that find a way to get to the quarterback. What's your game like rushing the passer? My game, you know, is obviously different. You know, you know, I don't have the same length as somebody else or, you know, like a 6'5 guy, so I have to have a different aspect in my game. You know, and I feel like I bring quickness to my game. You know, I have the versatility to bring speed to power at any point in time, you know. So I still have the power game. You know, I bring a lot of that aspect, too. And I have the aspect of playing inside linebacker as well. You know, I can move around. I can do a lot of things. So, you know, I still because I have the same body that an inside linebacker could have. You know, so there's a lot of versatility to my game. Why the Titans? Why were the Titans the right choice? Man, it was a great fit. It was a great, great fit for me. Um, you know, the same kind of scheme that I came from. Um, Coach Vrabel played a linebacker. He knows the game. He, he, you know, he played it at the top of the level. Um, and that's what I'm trying to get to about my career, you know what I'm saying? And why not come learn from a coach like that, you know? Why not study? And then also having a guy like Bud go, you know, that's my dog. You know, we came from the same place, you know, we worked together, you know, and, and he's my OG, you know, and it'd be great to keep learning from my OG. What has Bud Dupree meant to you as a football player and as a person? It meant a lot. Even when I came to the league, I stayed in the same neighborhood, but stayed. We was probably five houses down from each other. That's how close we were. 
You know, when I came to the league, he just showed me the ropes. You know, he also had difficulties when he came to the league as a rookie. You know, and he had the same he had the same mentality coming in, and he just taught me the game, and he just taught me how to get myself to the pro level. And you know, I've just been able to learn from you know, in the locker. Our lockers is right by you. You know, so every day I would have conversations. We were just so close. And we just went on a trip together for his birthday, you know? So it's like, you know, it's just great to be with him. And you know, we talked about this. I was like, bro, wherever you going, I'll go. You know what I mean? So, and it's just, a, it's great to see it actually come through. You know, I'm just ready to go. Seems to me like Ola Dainey is in a hurry. You're in a hurry to graduate high school. You're in a hurry to graduate college. You're in a hurry to go hit the quarterback. You're in a hurry to go down on kickoff coverage or punt coverage and take somebody out. You're a dude in a hurry. <laughs> for sure, yeah. I ain't got time to wait, man. I got, I got, I got to take care of my family. I got to take care of my mom. And I think that time is now. He won't be 24 years old until September the 12th. Wow, young. Well, but I mean, he going into his fourth year. Yeah. As we said in the interview, there are players in this draft upcoming who are older than Ola Dainty. How about that? Wow. Yeah. Does that make your head go it a does. little bit? Now, are you going to call him Ola? I've had people reach out to me about this. He calls himself Ola. Okay. Because his given name is Ola Sunkanmi Adaini. Yeah. But you're going to call him Ola, which is great. That's what he goes Ola's with. a great football name. Ola's what he goes with. There we go. And I might just greedy. go shorter. I might Ola. just go to O. <laughs> just O. O, big yeah. O. Love his enthusiasm. Love his motor. I love the excitement that he has about everything, and he is so excited to get a chance to come to Nashville. And you heard the part about how close he is with Bud Dupree. In essence, it sounds like he followed Bud Dupree here. Uh, he wanted to continue to be with him and build that relationship. But because of that age, I mean, what if they catch lightning in a bottle? What if he keeps learning how to rush the passer and, and and becomes a third-down threat and becomes more of a rotational player. Yeah, because he's really at a rook's age right now. He hasn't yep. been playing football 10 years. Right. I mean, the story is simple. I mean, Emmanuel Agba, who was uh, another part of mm -hmm. the Nigerian community mm -hmm. in Houston, was his great influence, and he decided, I'll give up soccer because I want to try football that. And as he said, he, he got fat when he moved to him. <laughs> His description, not mine, but he said that's what, that's what ended soccer for him is he got heavy. And, Mike, as we get closer to the draft, there are stories about draftees that are similar to this mm -hmm. from another country, thought they were going to be soccer superstars, mm -hmm. because let's face it, soccer is what rules the world. Football is what rules North America. Mm -hmm. And they come here and you hear these stories about, well, I, they asked me, hey, same kind of story. Hey, you're, you're fast. You ought to try out for football. Next thing you know, they're rushing the passer and sacking the quarterback on a first couple of plays. And it's like, oh, this might be fun. Well, and, I mean, there have been so many questions about so many guys over the years, and, and they've been taken based on athleticism. And some of them just, you know, fall off the face of the earth and never make it. And then some of them accelerate and end up being much better pros than you ever thought they could be. Right, and end up with a little bit of a different skill set than your typical football player, whatever that is. You know, guys who have been soccer players or who really excelled in basketball. It's fun to see guys who thought they were going to play other sports and then come over to football because there's always something a little bit different about their mechanics 
and the way that they do things just because their bodies are used to doing something different. So I love it when you get guys who think they're going to play other sports, and I appreciate someone who says that he moved here and got fat because he doesn't even know what's about to happen to him in Tennessee. Like, when you move to Tennessee from a different place, you want to talk about getting fat. Hot chicken. Food here is good. That's what he he said. There were places that he was dying to eat. And I, I was very impressed with that as well. Part of those guys, though, when you think about it, I mean, so he had one great year at Toledo. That was it. Goes the combine, runs 4.83 with a bad hamstring. So his arms are less than 32 inches long because he's just 6'1". So they're saying you're going to rush the passer. Your arms are not long enough to get away from tackles, from guys blocking you on the outside. 6'1", 248, you're not long. You're not that fast. You're undrafted. Well, but then they get you in like the Steelers did, and the Steelers are famous for finding these guys. And the guy's got a motor. The guy's getting worked with for hours at a time. When he's at Toledo, the Rockets are trying to win a MAC game. Now, they're trying to develop players, but with the 20-hour rule and with what you can do in the offseason, I mean, you don't have time to work with somebody over and over. You get to a place like Pittsburgh where they have – I mean, they're, they're almost like botanists, how they've grown these guys over the years – that you've said, that guy doesn't fit physically, and yet they, they're in the weight room, they're doing nutrition, they're working on explosion, they're doing film study, they're doing all kinds of things with the mechanics. You know, it's, it's like uh, they say, that what's the term? Uh, he did something like it was his job. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, all of a sudden, you go from 17 hours a week and go into class, and this is a guy who got his degree in four years, was very serious about school, graduated at age 20. Now the only thing you got to do is play football. And some of those guys get better for that reason. And you're working with a guy like Mike Vrabel, who his thing is coaching. That's what he does. He will work with you one-on-one over and over and over again. We've seen it before. He puts in the time to teach guys the correct way to do things and make sure that their technique and their football knowledge is impeccable. Do you think, Rhett Bryan, to swing just another way, that Ty Sambrilo was re-signed to compete with Kendall Lamb for right tackle? Is that your bet on March the 25th? I won't hold you to it on April 25th. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm saying I right now. Right. You know, I, honestly, I think he's there as, as depth swing. But certainly a battle could emerge in that. I mean, I you know. And I thought he did a very good, very serviceable job last year when he had to come in for Taylor Lewan. But I still think he may be uh, the swing guy. I'm going to be interested to see what John Robinson does next. What we've seen him do this week is go out with Mike Vrabel to look at ball players. He has been spotted on the road. Alabama Pro Day. All over the place. Yep. Uh, South Carolina Pro Day. I think he was at Tennessee's Pro Day. And there's some fine players. In many of those places. Well, in the mm-hmm. SEC, I mean, come on. Yep. I mean, let's let's be honest. My wish at 22 with my cornerback at 22 on March 25th game is J.C. Horn. But with the numbers I saw him post, don't think that's going to happen. At 2.05, he ran what? Something really good, didn't he? Oh, yeah. And Something had a fast. 41-inch vertical lead. Joe Horn's son. 41-inch vertical. It's crazy. 
Yeah, I mean, but, and it, he hasn't played his best football yet. Had an eleven-one broad jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a crazy good athlete, and the only guy who's more impressive than that is Patrick Sertan, who at Alabama's pro day, he's another corner, and his dad was another great player, and and he's just gone off too. He may be a top ten pick now. Oh, absolutely, and that, he's a legit six-two. Sertan uh, is yeah, and, 6'2", and 208 is right. what he came in at and had a thirty and had a thirty nine inch vertical leap and about the same broad jump as as J C Horn ran uh, under four five he ran four four six I think some people had him at yeah. like four four two and he's big he's played the what they call the star position yep. inside he's played outside he's physical he likes to tackle now, he's uh, the first corner taken and I think you're right he's a top ten pick. What do you think life is like when you can jump that high? Like, think of all the things you could do if you could jump that high. <laughs> Mike's looking at me with a blank stare, well, but no, I'm I really mean, considering like really consider- all the things you can do if you can jump that high. There are no high shelves anymore. You just reach up there and get but it. But if you're six two, I mean, how much do you have to get on the high shelf? I mean, I, I would like to have that problem. Yeah, me too. I just I don't jump so. People who really can jump. Well, I mean, that's crazy. Are just fascinating. Rondell Moore, the wide receiver from five seven from Purdue, had a forty two and a half inch vertical, and he had done that before. And they're like, "Oh, well, that's you know made up or something." And then he goes at Purdue's pro day and does it. That's like Superman stuff. There's a day three receiver from Illinois, Josh Amaterbebe, who had his pro He's day got a last brother week. Who's who went back to college this year? Right, going to play for his fourth school. Josh had a 46-and-a-half-inch vertical at his pro day at, in Champaign the other day. Yeah, Matabebe is a crazy athlete, and his brother, who I believe is a tight end. I think that's right. Is also a, a crazy athlete. That's wild. Mm-hmm. My vertical's like two. <laughs> well, it's not really required in your job. Well, thank God. Yes. <laughs> What is required in your job is to say something nice about Farm Bureau health plans. When it comes to your health care coverage, you should be the one to make the call. So call Farm Bureau health plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. So this is the week that was to this point through March the 25th. And as sure as we record this right now, something major will happen tonight or tomorrow. Or John Robinson just keeps on rolling. Maybe the most interesting offseason we have ever seen in the six years under John Robinson I thought the first was the most interesting, and for the extent of it to this point, it still is, but this one might top it. Just because there's so many moving pieces and parts and the way the cap retraction was uh, a catalyst in that. Sure. Well, look at the guys who are still out there. It's crazy. I mean, there are a lot of really good ball players still out there, and teams don't have money to sign them. Right. What's so interesting to me is – a week ago, like one week ago, Mike, you and I looked at each other and said, eh, there will be a wave and then it'll be right. done. We won't see the second wave. Second wave came quick. It was the very next week. So going forward, do we see a plateau? I feel like if we say it, I mean, I something think, crazy will happen. Yeah, you're right. I think we do because I just don't see enough money in the market to make numerous signings apparent unless – there are a bunch more guys cut. Right. And if there are a bunch more guys cut, then, you know, it could all change. But that's the way money is going to go back into the market. And I think teams are, with five weeks to go until the draft, teams are making a more detailed evaluation at this point of the draft. 
because they're 259 picks. And if you can find a second-round guard who can start for you, and I think they're, what, maybe a half dozen? Yes. That you could take on day one or especially on day two. There's more than that. Elijah Vera Tucker from USC is the the guy who will be the top off the board. And probably the only one in the first round in terms of guard. I would say so. Unless you consider Landon Dickerson as a guard, and somebody might take him right at the end of the first round. But, I mean, Minerts from Wisconsin Whitewater. Yes. Trey Smith and Deontay Brown, who showed up at his pro day at 344. 20 down, pounds lighter. Down 20 pounds. I mean, there, there are several of these guys who you're like, okay. And, and some of the tackles will become guards, too. We're probably not the experts in that area. Dave McGinnis could probably tell us more about that. But so if you can draft a guard, you know, one of the first two days and just plug him in from the first moment, then do more veterans become available at that point? That's just one position. Outside of the obvious, the quarterbacks, the edge rushers, the corners, those things, I think it may set up to be one of the more interesting NFL drafts because of what the pandemic has dealt with everyone Mm -hmm. no no combine for the first time in 36 years or whatever uh so you're relying heavily on pro days you're relying heavily in some cases on 2019 film of guys you're going back and looking through notebooks from two years ago almost i mean it's crazy to think about that so you know in in the hope springs eternal every year type of thing like it's your job yeah, but I mean, it's like, well, we could find this diamond in the rough. You really could this time because of all these things that are a byproduct of the pandemic. The difference, though, is the on-campus visits. Yes. It's such a big factor because if if you're good at your job, which a lot of these scouts are, and John Robinson was a really good scout before he went into the personnel office, you walk in a building, and I saw this when I covered college. A lot of those guys walk in, and what do they do? They go talk to the secretary. They go. To, they know the custodian. They know the former player who works in quote unquote player development. They know the guy who runs the film room who lets them in there to watch tape. And what do they say? They say, "Hey, Freddie, what is Smith here really like?" Tell me about someone. Tell me about Smith. And Freddie, who works in the film office, he's not getting anything from anybody except he likes probably having these relationships and maybe they become, they have friendships. And he says, let me tell you, the guys don't like him. Or let me tell you, he's the best guy in the world. Or let me tell you, he's got a a crazy uncle who's around here all the time. (laughs) I mean, you get, you get the behind the scenes from the people because a lot of times the coaches don't even know that because they're so busy with what they're, they're so doing. busy preparing for a game. Right. I, I'm not saying they don't know their kids, but they don't necessarily know that the guard goes to visit the children's hospital. Absolutely. To see the, the kids who are absolutely. ill on a couple of weeks or, or that somebody puts in the extra time or that somebody does nothing and treats, treats people poorly. Last year, when you didn't have the on-campus visits, they didn't have the chance to go do that. Right. Everybody that they dealt with was on their best behavior. It was very formal. It was, 
a Zoom call is mm-hmm. a set time, a set sure. conversation. You can prepare. It's very different. You don't get to go to a guy's high school and nope. kind of root around. You don't get to go and do the in-depth research that they would do on some of the peripheral stuff. Mm-hmm. And that that has got to be Well, yeah, I mean, you saw it when you worked in Missouri's football office, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And the amount of scouts who would come through for pro days and things like that and just stop and chat. That's exactly what it is. They want to know about so-and-so. How does... Pick up anything. Yeah. How does this person interact? Like, is he really that funny or is it... Uh, and it's little things. But they're trying to get a well-rounded picture of this person from someone who's just in the midst. Well, in the movie Draft Day, there are a lot of things that are very unrealistic. <laughs> it's a stressful movie. It's a stressful movie. <laughs> but one of the things that is realistic is when they're evaluating the quarterback and they want to know why none of his teammates came to his birthday party. Yep. yep. That's realistic. Yep. The stuff about the guy who's the pancake eater and all that stuff, that I don't know about any of that. No. <laughs> and know? the, like, 45 trades they yeah, made in, like, 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like heart Seven first-rounders. I mean, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. But but the thing about why did the teammates not come to the quarterback's birthday party, that's the type of stuff that people want to know. Yep. That's that's the crux of everything. Yeah. What's, what was wrong in that situation – even though it was just hypothetical, but that's the type of thing. Is like, is there something? Does he rub guys the wrong way? Will people not follow him? Is he one of those guys? If you drop the pass, he's going to point a finger at you and yell at you. You know, those things are. You're you're looking for every piece of intel you can get, and the on-campus visits are a huge part of that. Yeah, because that secretary or that janitor can say, you know, my my son was sick a while ago, and you know, he came to visit us in the hospital. That's right. Mm-hmm. You'll never believe this, but he he brought he brought me flowers. He'd picked out on the campus there because he knew it was Secretary's Day. Right, right. You're looking for culture fits, not just what he does on the football. Well, field. you're looking at threads to potentially pull. What's something you're like? Ooh, is that a good thing? And maybe maybe that explains this. Or I mean, it's a it's a thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, things are remarkably harder for scouts. Because of the pandemic. You know, scouts used to ask me questions when I was covering Pro Day. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd be like, hey, I listen to your radio show. Uh, maybe I've sort of knew them just a little bit. What do you know about so-and-so? Great to deal with. Or, you know, he's been hard for us to deal with. Or, really? Huh. You know, just information is king in anything that you do. Well, I mean, we've hit on a lot of things during this potential program here on the OTP. Yeah. We really uh We've been we around the block. Yeah. We went deep. We like sure it. did. For Rhett Bryan, thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir. From Titans Radio. And for Amy Wells, thank you as always. All right. I'm Mike Keith, and this is the official Titans Podcast, better known as the O T Where the legends go. Everybody knows it's our house. Fighting for Tennessee. Making history. Greatness is meant to be ours now. Hey, we got Titan blood. Through our veins.